Hello, welcome to another episode of the Spirit of 2016 podcast. San Marino, nil, Northern Ireland 2 in the first qualifier for Euro 2024. A lovely little evening. England may have unearthed one King Charles this year, but we've unearthed two in Shea and Dion. And it was Dion who's got his first two Northern Ireland goals. Dave doesn't like that one, but I, to, to be honest, I really don't care about Dave's opinion tonight, Um, apart from when I come to him for the question. So I am Andy Bell. I'm joined by Pete Baker. I'm joined by Dave Dunning. And nice to talk about a win. And can we just say, first of all, we're not going to caveat everything we say here with it was only San Marino. We know it was only San Marino. We know we should have won the game. We know it would have been an absolute disaster if we didn't win the game. So all the caveats are there for what everyone has to say. So we don't have to tediously say it over and over and over again. But Pete, I'll start with you first. And it's hard and you don't want particularly to do a an immediate comparison to Barraclough versus Michael O'Neill. And I suppose Barraclough never had a team or an opposition quite as weak as San Marino, but he did play against Minos. And for me tonight was a more exciting team. It was a more progressive team. It was a more forward thinking team. And it was a team that looked like it had a plan and a strategy to build up possession, to find spaces in the attacking areas and to create chances. And we created more than enough chances to comfortably win that game 10 times out of 10 tonight. Yeah, I think you've summed it up well. I mean, we were discussing beforehand about the fact that the team actually had a plan. There was a strategy and he picked the right players to actually implement the strategy. I thought there are a couple of new faces. Obviously, Shea Charles sitting in the sort of deeper line midfield role was very impressive. Probably the standout for me tonight. Bradley was excellent. And I think the, the sort of gamble, if you can call it gamble, uh, on Lewis uh, paid off as well tonight so the Michael O'Neill era part two started off very nicely 100% record so far the second coming has indeed started off quite nicely Dave it was a it was a brave selection for me because we talked in the pre-pod uh, or sorry in the in the preview podcast that he'll probably go for McGuinness given that he's missing Stuart Dallas he's missing Evans or he's missing, missing both, both Evanses he's missing Davis so he'd probably go from against just for that little bit more experience, but he goes brave, he goes exciting, he goes for two in inverted commas, we lads up front, which is something we never saw under Barraclough or hardly ever saw under Barraclough. He got McGuinness in at every opportunity. And I think, to be fair, I was just sending a mate I was watching it with. At halftime, it's just very clear that he got that selection bang on. The midfield was bang on. I thought the balance of Savile, Charles and McNair for tonight was absolutely perfect. Savile and McNair were picking the ball up in really good areas. And I thought especially Savile was really intelligent with some of his play, not only picking up the ball in good areas, but retaining it um, and getting it popped off to better players. And Charles just had that held that midfield really, really well. Obviously, we didn't see an awful lot of what he's like when the ball's going the other way. But that, I think that was the main call tonight. And obviously, you know, Washington isn't overly involved, but what he what he does is good. And Charles is just there to score the goals, which is what he does. So for me, 100% on the in terms of the team selection, can't argue with it one bit. Yeah, I think I think the Shea Charles selection is pretty brave because everybody's looking at it with the, the limited squad that we have with injuries, etc. And it's very obvious who your three senior midfielders are there, okay? It's Savile, it's McNair, and it's Jordan Thompson, right? And I didn't see anything other than that midfield three playing. And all of a sudden, there's Shea Charles in there. And actually, 
you know, looked composed beyond his years, probably a little bit safe for my liking um, uh, against that sort of opposition. But ultimately, it's his very, very good pass down the right-hand side that creates the space for the first goal. Great cross from Washington. And Charles does what Charles does. He, he gets between the sticks. He puts it away. And that's us. We're on our way. So I think, yeah, just just looks like a really mature head on very young shoulders in there, which is great to see. I, I think he is... He is just playing junior football at City under 19s, under whatever whatever it is. He's not out on loan or anything. So probably, you know, City's under 20s or whatever that age group is now. Probably better than most League One sides, let's be honest. And you could tell, you know, very composed. Um, I think there is an option there to start to build a midfield around somebody like him. Smaller than I thought. Am I right? He doesn't look massive, is he? Well, I, I actually thought, in, term, in terms of his height, yeah, but I actually thought he's massively filled out from when we saw him in June. Oh, totally. You know, like, in June, he just looked like a skinny wee lad who was coming in, and he looked every inch a, a development league footballer. Whereas tonight, I was like, right, fair play. He's actually been in the gym the last nine months, and he's bulking himself up, which you have to do anyway. We knew that natural possession was coming with age. But I thought he looked bigger and, and put himself about tonight really well. Yeah, great. Um, nice to see the two centre forwards combine him for the first goal. As I said, great quash, great, great, great cross. Washington. Um, yeah, Washington. And um, the, the much maligned Jamal Lewis from prior to kickoff. Um, great involvement for the second goal as well. And I thought he did okay. Um, he hasn't played a lot of football. Did look a bit rusty, probably first 20, but after a, a cagey opening 20 minutes where I think probably the only chance is the McNair header from a really good Savile cross, um, we get the goal and, and we just grow into the game. And yeah, maybe was was that selection with a view to Finland on Sunday? I don't know, but it doesn't really matter because I think three points is vital. You need to win your home games and we know... O'Neill has talked about building on these very winnable games, building momentum, building belief. And this is the first step in that. So it's a good first step to take. And we'll see where we go from here. It is a good first step to take. Um, Pete, one of the things that struck me early on in the game, if we start kind of talking through the game chronologically, and we'll talk about certain players at different points as we do that, I think we mentioned in the pre-pod that the first three corners are pretty ineffective in terms of the result, but something that encouraged me is the fact that it was actually there was actually a plan in place from set pieces. You know, the the first one sort of just wung into the box and fair play, but I mean the second one, um, I think McNair and Savile. Andy, I think the first one they actually look to take a short and they're trying yes. to take a short, yeah, it's it's a and, it, yeah. and it doesn't work, and they go, "Okay, we can't do this. Let's revert to Plan B." The fact that there's actually a plan B, it looks like there's actually a plan A, which is great, but also yeah. a plan B unheard of in the last fucking two years. And you know what? I, I wonder, you know, all those people who always complain about Paddy McNair and set pieces, I wonder what they thought on Michael O'Neill's first game back when George Savile lined up for the first one. <laughs> you know, be careful what you wish for. That saying has never been more true. I actually thought George Savile was really good tonight. We'll come on to talk about that. But 
the point I'm trying to make, people, is as much as it didn't come off, the, the second one's an absolute disaster. And then the third one, actually, if Shea Charles gets a pass yeah. right, it's a goal. It's, you know, it's a really, really well-worked one. Um, it's just a pass. It wasn't right. But it encouraged me because, you know, under Barraclough, we know, we've said it on pretty much every single podcast. He came out and famously said, we don't work on set pieces. Whereas with Michael O'Neill, you've already got three there. Um, three there set moves that, that, that you tried. And, you know, they will come off at some point. We scored so many goals under Michael O'Neill in his first stint from set pieces. And that will happen again by the looks of things tonight. And I just think we just looked a little bit more dangerous. And in these games where, especially at the start, with a piling so many players behind the ball, you sometimes do need a set piece goal to break the deadlock. And then after that, more spaces open up. And, um, you know, we didn't quite get it tonight, but I was more encouraged, even though the results were more or less the same. Yeah, I mean, set pieces were a route into the into games under O'Neill in his last tenure. This time around, you can see there's the same sort of thought going into what we do with the set pieces. However, I think on, under his previous in his previous campaigns, we were blessed with height in the box, which we don't have this time. So he's clearly trying to come up with alternative ways that we can break a defence through set pieces, but being a bit more cute in how we move the ball and creating a- different angles. Uh, where our players can catch a defensive line, maybe rushing up just as they run through, have a clear, clear shot of goal. So it's, it's it's very pleasing. You know, everything that we did tonight, there seemed to be a reason behind it. It wasn't just hitting hope and just chuck these players out. They're better than the San Marino players. They'll find a way. No, there was there was method. So which we've all been craving for. Very much relieved to, to see that. Definitely, and just 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 a plan in place overall. Just stick with you briefly, Pete, because Dave's briefly mentioned the 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 wing backs and 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 the midfielders there. And one of the things that encouraged me as well, especially when you're playing Washington and Dion Charles, and I know Washington runs the channels, but tonight didn't get an awful lot of the ball. Holds it up well once or twice, does a few good things once or twice as well. But Dion Charles is very much as Dave says, between the sticks, penalty box striker. Wait for your chance, and he will take it. And when you have someone like that in the team, and I'm not saying he's completely ineffective in general plays, absolutely, he absolutely is, and he's robust, and he puts himself about, and he works his arse off, and I'll give him that all day long. But when you do have two strikers who very much their MO is being between the sticks and getting goals, then you need a real team effort from the rest of the team. And I was really encouraged by the link-up between, first of all, on the left-hand side, Jamal Lewis and George Saville, which I've seen before in terms of Saville covering Lewis, but I haven't really seen it in an attacking sense. I thought that really impressed me, but also Bradley and McNair. And don't get me wrong, when we play Finland, we will not be able to play Saville and McNair as anywhere near as advanced as their starting positions were tonight. But when we do have the ball and when we are building up, those relationships are going to be key. And, you know, it, it tells for both of the goals. There's also a Saville chance for the outside of the boot, uh, where Bradley pulls it back. It's a great burst down the right. And it was clear that they'd identified those wing positions and, and the wide areas as the places we were going to get joy tonight. And having those relationships and building those relationships in a game like this will only benefit us for the rest of this campaign. Yeah, I mean, it's it looked promising. I, that's why I think O'Neill got it right in terms of the personnel he selected. It suited the game we had. We needed to create chances out wide, so we picked two attacking fullbacks. And then two centre midfielders who are willing to try and get on beyond the defence. Whether he does that for Finland, I'm not too sure. But again, O'Neill, I'd like to think O'Neill before the game thought, what's the best way we're going to get a goal 
against San Marino. I mean, we should score, but what's the most effective way? And that was clearly his idea beforehand. He may have a change of thought against Finland that we may see different formations, different combinations, different personnel. But, you know, you could clearly see what he was trying to do and it worked. I think the formation, Dave, is interesting. The much maligned three at the back under Ian Barraclough is interesting that that stays. And there were points of the games where I was starting to think, you know, was that necessary? Was it necessary to have three out-and-out defenders on the pitch there? I thought if he was going to go three at the back, he would probably go for McNair on the overlap. So you're effectively playing with two defenders and, you know, eight attacking players. Um, but it, it 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 works well in the end for us. And whether it's going to be kind of like his first stint where it's a little bit of flexibility between the two formations, um, or whether it's going to be sort of Barraclough-esque and it's um and it's in a dogmatism, I suppose, and just playing the three at the back right the way through is is still to be seen. But I suppose touch on that, but also just like the midfield as well, because I know you're not a big fan of of Jordan Thompson. I know you're probably a bigger fan of uh, George Savile than most. And I just thought I just thought like Savile deserves a little bit of a mention tonight. You know, he gets a big round of applause as he goes off. I love the fact that he tried to walk off from the corner, by the way, on the 73rd minute, as if like we were closing the game down against San Marino. Like I'd I'd love to I'd love to think there was a conversation at some point as to whether head-to-head or goal difference counts in this group. And he worked out it was head-to-head and he just thought, no, I'll just get off this side. But I I, I thought, you know, obviously McNair was good, but we knew McNair is a good player. But I thought Savile really sort of shone tonight. And you can say, you know, against Sam Marino, anyone would, but he's not the most creative midfielder from what we've seen, but he, he did his job really well for me. Dave's completely frozen. Oh, you froze there, Dave. Just start from the start again. Sorry. He's very divisive. He's probably the most divisive player in the squad. Um, I think I like him, right? I think he's probably, we've talked about this before, he has been typecast by some probably three or four big moments where he's missed big chances, etc. And there's that confirmation bias when he doesn't do something like I think he tried some sort of flick out the left. <laughs> he did, and then he remembered he was George Savile. <laughs> and it just rules out of play. And it was somebody sitting beside me in the pub, and they were like, oh, my God, I can't have him. So I get it, but nobody will talk about his unbelievable first touch and cross for the first chance of the game, which is McNair's header. It's absolutely wonderful. Um, and, you know, he's a championship player playing week in, week out. And he has been for the majority of his career. So we can sit here and we can sneer and we can have our opinions on George Savile, but ultimately he is playing at a higher level than the majority of the players in that squad. And he's doing it consistently. So um, there's a reason he gets picked every week in the championship in England. It's a really tight league. It's really difficult. There's loads of games. There's loads of good sides. So, and there's a reason that he continues to get picked for Northern Ireland over and over and over and over and over again. So, yeah, plays well. He's got industry. He's not the most fashionable of midfielders, if you want. And I know that everybody will be talking about Shea Charles, Shea Charles this, Shea Charles that afterwards. But in a more advanced role like that left-hand side, he does his job. He does it very well. I think generally he does, particularly from a defensive perspective and, and creating that platform. But what we saw from him tonight is something we don't normally see 
which is what he can provide in an attacking sense in the final third. And I thought he did that really well. So, yeah, I think the balance was great in that midfield. You've McNair, who can deliver from the right-hand side. We saw Savile's delivery from the left. Shea Charles being very, very mature, providing that platform, that protection to the back three. So, yeah, I'm kind, I'm, I'm kind of really, really comfortable with that. Jordan Thompson, I almost thought this probably was a game for Jordan Thompson. You know, I would have looked at that and thought, Sam Marino, he's got in his mind that final pass. He always tries to be incisive, maybe tries to force it sometimes a little bit more than I would like. And we know O'Neill likes him. He signed him for Stoke. He played him consistently for Stoke. And I was really shocked to see that he wasn't in the team. I don't know whether that is, is with a view to, to Finland. Maybe we see him start against Finland on, on Sunday. Uh, but I'd, but look, I think there's a real core there that we can work with and O'Neill can build around. And I was thinking about this earlier on. It's, it's not the same quality that he had before. It, it just isn't. So I think we probably have to manage our expectations a little bit here. We don't have Chris Brunt, Johnny Evans, um, Garth McCauley, all playing Premier League football at uh, West Brom. We don't have a fit Steve Davis and a Steve Davis from five, six years ago. We don't have a Stuart Dallas in that side due to injury, et cetera, et cetera. So we our, our only Premiership players in that team tonight are, are Shea Charles and Jamal Lewis. And I think they must have... I mean, Shea Charles hasn't played a single minute in the Premier League, and I think Lewis has, has, has only got five or six minutes. So, you know, it really was, a, a, at best, a championship-level team on paper. Absolutely. Um, so, like I said, I think we have to manage our expectations a little bit just because O'Neill's come back in. It doesn't mean that everything's going to be the same way that it was. But there are players there that I think have more in them than we've seen from them, both at a international level and at a club level given their age and given their profile and that's always been Michael O'Neill's always made the, the team greater than the, the sum of his parts and my goodness it on paper it has to be if we're to get anywhere near qualifying for this tournament Pete before we we we've sort of finish up by doing a few comments and talking about man of the match and, and, and definitely focusing a little bit on Dion Charles just want to talk a little bit about the wing backs because Dave referenced it there that Jamal Lewis was a controversial selection Shane Ferguson's been playing well this season. He's been playing left midfield for Rotherham, which is pretty much the position. Left wing back against San Marino is left midfield. Let's be completely honest about this, especially when you three centre-halves uh, behind you. Um, and there definitely are times where you look at Jamal Lewis tonight and you think, okay, he's definitely short in confidence. He's definitely short in match fitness. And the fact that he goes down after 70 minutes with cramp, you know, only pays testament to that. But... He does get in good areas. He does link up well with Savile and he ultimately does provide the cross for the first goal. And I think what a lot of people are frustrated with Lewis about is that sometimes he can be a little bit too conservative. Too often, it can be that pass back to the centre half. And of course, you expect him to be more attacking tonight, but he does provide the occasional moment of quality. And 70 minutes getting an assist against a team like that won't do his confidence anywhere near um, the harm. You know, It won't do his confidence any harm whatsoever. And then Connor Bradley, of course, is just growing every single time he wears a Northern Ireland shirt. We know he's playing really well this season, and we know his deficiencies won't be exposed tonight, like they may possibly be, or at least there will be a question mark around them against Finland if he opts for him again. 
on Sunday, but I thought the two of them just played really well, especially Bradley. Some of his pressing and some of his sort of his, his searing pace into tackles at times is just something that we don't really have anywhere else in the team, and that could be a, a real little mo for us in in games using his pace when when we need to. And it's, it's recovery pace as well; it means he can get forward and get back at pace. Yeah, I mean, I know Lewis has had a real lack of game time this season, but this game was set up to play to their strengths. How they like to play attacking ball on the front foot, trying to get crosses in, which we've seen over the years are their strengths. Tonight's game was not going to expose their their potential defensive frailties. That's why we, you know, potentially may see some different people coming in for the Finland game. But I, I thought it was good. And Lewis will only gain confidence in the fact that O'Neill trusts him clearly. So you you're my man if you perform. You're in the team and he'll feel 10 feet tall walking out of Windsor Park if he starts. And he, he can sell that narrative to him, Pete, yeah. can't he? He can say, you were brilliant for me. Well, you were good for me in my in my yeah. first stint. And you can sort of take the idea out of his head that he's regressed as a footballer and more that this is the manager I played well with. So there's no reason why I can't do it second time around. So it's good psychology, probably. Not that I have a degree in psychology or anything. I'm, you know, very basic level understanding. But, you know, it's, it's going to give someone some some confidence there. Um, Bradley was excellent. I mean, he looks like a player who is now playing week in, week out. You know, it's just it's so confident in the ball. Really clever play. Just cute passes to McNair on the overlap. Right weight every time. He, and he's 19. You have to remember as well. Like he's he's going to be there for 20 years, at least, for us. So At least? Is he bobbing down the wing at 40, Pete? No. Nah. <laughs> he's going nowhere. We'll move him to centre-back by the end of his career. But <laughs> um, Just touching on the midfield as well, I think, obviously, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but throwing in Charles into this game when we're going to have 70% possession like we did probably suits what he's used to with Man City. So maybe maybe that was Michael's reasoning for putting him in. Is a game he'd be used to having a lot of the ball, maybe doesn't have to do as much running and defending and positional stuff. Just get a look at him. So that could have been his thinking. But, uh, I like to think he put him in because he's the next Xavi. <laughs> I I think he's class. I thought he was very very composed. I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but yeah. Well, the last time a player from the British Isles was compared to Xavi, it was Joe Allen. So let's just wait and see on that one. Um, I'm going to let you both talk a little bit about Dion Charles um, before we start to wrap things up. And Dave, like. Not particularly involved in the game, um, but both finishes I think are. A little bit underrated. Not that I've seen anyone rating them as bad or easy chances, but I feel like that first one everyone will say is a tap in. It's a poacher's goal, but I thought it was going over the bar. And there's there's times where you see the the striker putting that that type of chance over the bar. And the second one's actually a really good header. It's not easy to get the power he gets on it. He has to generate all the power from the cross. He's at an awkward angle. It's at a little bit of an awkward height for him. And ultimately, you know, it's a fairly central header, but he puts it on goal and the par beats the goalkeeper. Um, and, you know, we've cried out for a striker. We've always had strikers, the likes of Washington runs the channels, McGuinness is physical, Lafferty could hold the ball up, Gavin White is pacing behind. We've always had strikers who can do things off the ball. And there may just be a place in this Northern Ireland team for, and I'm not just reducing them to this, but for a pure goal scorer who, if you give him a chance, he will take it. And on tonight's evidence, you know, he, he does seem like he could be that for us. 
I don't see any problem in reducing him to that. I'm quite I'm quite happy with a guy that just wants to stick the ball in the net because we, I don't I, from David Healy we've never had a guy that just wants to put the ball in the net. We talked about this the last time he played. He's got absolutely no interest in passing the ball to anybody at all. You know, I think we laughed last time that his, his passes attempted may have been zero in the previous match. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I don't think he is any interest. And I saw it again tonight. He just wants to find space in between the sticks and, and have a shot at goal. And they're not easy finishes. They look untidy, right? But they're not easy finishes. That ball bounces up from the first one. It's with the outside of his foot, and I I think it's over the bar, but he manages to steer it into the top corner. But again, that's about movement. That's about anticipating where the ball is going to go and being in the right place at the right time. And you just need to get something on that ball if you're in the right position, and the likelihood is it's going to go into the net. Same with the second goal. He's right in between the sticks. He's in the edge of the six-yard box. It's not in the corner. It's not in the roof of the net. It's like at waist height, but what he does is textbook, he heads it back the way it came. And if you head it back the way it came, it doesn't have to be in the corner. The keeper can't move. So that is just the natural instinct of somebody who knows how to put the ball in the net. And we've seen that from Charles all the way through his career. And we can talk about the level that he's playing at, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the bottom line is the guy knows how to operate in the penalty area. And there's no more evidence than you need tonight. Is it 17 goals this season? Yeah, something like that, yeah. Something like that, okay. When was the last time any Northern Ireland player scored 17 goals in a season at club level? Never mind in March. Do you know what I mean? We don't have that luxury. So there's there's nobody else does that in the squad. There, there's an opening there. And... If you can find somebody that he can build some sort of partnership or relationship with, like we saw for the first goal, then all the better. We might have a real diamond in the rough there because goal scoring, it's the key. We've seen O'Neill has been able to create sides that are really difficult to break down, no matter where they play or who they play. I can't remember... I think that Germany hammer us once under O'Neill. Yeah. That's the but only it was a dead rubber. Yeah, that's the only time I can remember us getting put out of sight by any team, no matter what standard. So if we've got somebody who can just take half a chance and stick it in the net, that's a massive advantage for a team like us because we just have not had that. And I'm glad Dion Charles's reaction time tonight was quicker than Dave trying to remember what month it currently is. Um, I had to look at that. I had to look it up. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, just on Dion Charles, let, let's get stuck into Barraclough one last time because he never played him. He never started him, <laughs> um, even though everyone was calling for it. And it's one of those where you think, okay, there must be something we're missing here. There must be something when you do all your badges and when you see him in training. There's something that he's seeing that we're not seeing, or there's something that we're seeing that he's not seeing. It turns out Dion Charles is a good player. He is capable of yeah. playing for Northern Ireland, certainly in these games. And there were games under Barclough where he could have started and he could have been effective. And it's not as if when he did get his small chances in those games, 
you know, he showed himself as a good player. Um, and hopefully, and that's another one where Michael O'Neill can sort of play off that. He can say, listen, the last manager didn't fancy you. I think you're a good player. I'm showing faith in you. This is my first game back and I'm throwing you up front, um, you know, with another, you know, with another small lad. I could easily go McGuinness. I'll probably still win the game, but I'm showing this faith in you. And that's the sort of thing that you, you hear from Michael O'Neill. It's the putting the arm around the players is making them feel a million dollars. And by the looks of things, you know, you chart well, Charles is 100% taking them tonight. And as Dave says, two tricky enough finishes, two understated finishes, but two where he just he just sticks it in the net and talk about his options later. Yeah, I mean, I'd reiterate everything Dave said there. Are, I mean, I, I don't know what attributes or characteristics he lacks compares to the other players around him. And he's certainly got one attribute that stands out amongst every other striker. Goals. Goals, which we, we just haven't scored for like four years or whatever it is. So just chuck them in. I mean, I mean, two difficult chances tonight. I guarantee you, if it was a player who'd been on the bench, sort of knocking around the championship for five goals this season, they wouldn't have gone in. You know, it's just instinct in the box. You can't... Probably one of those uncoachable things that only comes with game time and confidence actually found in the net. So long may I continue. Oh, just to add on it. Yeah, well, just just yeah. quickly, Pete, on that on that first goal as well. This was just give a quick shout for Washington. It's not as it's not his greatest yeah. night. He doesn't see an awful lot of the ball, but for that first goal, something that struck me it was that it was that turn as the pass is played in, and the weight of pass from I think it's Shay Charles, isn't it? Who plays that yeah. weight of pass for the first goal? It the, the, the quick turn from Washington it allows him to, to sort of find that yard of space, and it's an amazing ball. It really is an amazing ball, and it's the type of quality that you have to have to break a deadlock in those types of games and. You know, the strikers we we've seen your your Kyle Lafferty's, your Liam Boyce's, your Josh McGuinness's don't have that quick turn and burst of pace about them. Whereas Washington does have that, um, and you know that's something a little bit different that he can offer. And you know, as I say, wasn't his most effective night, but still did some some really really good things. And um, and yeah, I just really like him. I just really like him as a striker. Yeah, I think we. May, I mean, he was injured for the last set of games, wasn't mm-hmm. he under Bar Club? And we may, we did we did miss him. His industry and his, I suppose he's he's not your typical striker in the sense that he's unselfish. You know that's probably why him and Charles could work together. Charles wants to score all the goals and get get the ball. Washington is more than happy to to give the passes, to do the extra yards, to draw defenders away from Charles. So it it could be a combination that works for them. Um, and it was it was a super cross for the goal. I mean, I don't know if he deliberately put that much dip on it. I think he just whacked it as hard as he could into a dangerous area, but great ball nonetheless. Some, yeah, sometimes that's enough. Yeah. That, yeah. Oh, it's in a dangerous area. Yeah, yeah. Dangerous area, and you have someone like <clears throat> Dion Charles yeah. in the penalty box. The likelihood is he's going to get in the end of it or be close to getting in the end of it. Yeah. And we've also got Shane Lavery to come back in. You know, yeah. there's three brilliant options of guys who are quick, mobile, can run the channels, can make life really difficult, can pull defenders and stretch formations left, right and centre. And then you've got big Josh to come in if worst comes to worst, just throw them in as a battering ram and see see how you get on because <laughs> we know his worth. He scores big goals and he yeah. makes a new of himself. So there are probably more options there might not be the greatest quality we've ever had in that area of the pitch but more options there than I think we've ever had and I think you know 
one thing that we've forgotten about Josh because he started pretty much every game for the last three years is how effective he has previously been off the bench. And we don't really see it tonight, but the game's won tonight. Um, you know, Josh McGinnis off the bench traditionally is almost like a super sub. Um, and that can be you know, sort of a benefit to him. And he won't like he won't like us saying that because he want to start every game, but sometimes impact off the bench. And he, <laughs> yeah, well, okay, <laughs> we're gonna do that on on air there, people. Fair play to you for throwing that ball in. Um <laughs> Yeah, I, I think, you know, he is big and he is strong and he is quick. And although we don't really see it when he starts games, he can come on. And those are the type of attributes you have as a, as, as a substitute, as a forward that, that can be effective. So you never know, you know, if we do cultivate a, 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 a nailed on striker every time or a, a striking partnership that we can have, <clears throat> McGuinness can still complement that every time. I just want to quickly talk, Dave, about how the group is shaping up. It's always interesting to have a look at the other results. Slovenia winning Kazakhstan this afternoon. I think Kazakhstan's going to be a tough place to go for everyone just because of the pure traveling time. And it's one of those nations that has a, a, a wildly better home record than they do away. And it's the type of game you'll really fear going to as a as a Northern Ireland fan, especially that away game. So big result for Slovenia there. But it also looks as though, you know, we, ha- we had our theories on what Denmark were like after the World Cup, but they get a good win today against Finland, albeit two goals in the last 10 minutes. And it's difficult, you know, a draw in any other fixture in your qualifying group, given how few games there are, is a good result. But if Denmark are going to clean up, and even if that means beating us someone away, it leaves that one slot for us to play off against each other, against Finland and against Slovenia and against Kazakhstan. And that's by no means the worst position to be in either. It's not. It's a funny one. We're sitting here looking at this thinking, like, I don't think Denmark are, are great shakes. I don't. I think they're a team at the end of a cycle. Um, I think there are frailties there. Finland at home, you know, it's, it's one each in, on the 82nd minute. It's Finland. I know they won their Nations League group, but what was that? League C or something, was it? Is that, is that right? I don't know. We nearly get relegated from League yeah, Who cares, right? Anyway, they're not. They're not. They're not great. Okay, so Denmark should be comfortably beating that those guys, especially at home. The thing is, the position we're in, thinking there's a real opportunity here, a real opportunity here to qualify. Slovenia will be thinking the same thing. Finland will be thinking the same thing. Slovenia, particularly after the result tonight, so. As much as we see this as something that is very much within our grasp, these other teams will be thinking exactly the same way. So it's up to us to almost, this is for me, this is almost a psychological battle. You know, when you play Finland, if we beat them on Sunday, we're six from six and they're none from six. That's massive when it comes to further on down the line. Slovenia, we beat them in our first game. You're nearly halfway home. You know, that that is that with so few games, you're nearly halfway home there. So when we talk about momentum and, and these sorts of bits and pieces, I honestly believe the first two games and these results of these first two games will shape the entire group moving forward, unless there's some sort of catastrophe. 
Yeah, it it does seem that way. It does look to go that way. And I suppose another thing, and what we'll we'll do in the Finland preview is that they've they've lost that game tonight, so they they would really like to come to Windsor Park and get three points, whereas they could have sat in if they had got a point or three points tonight. So yeah, there's still a long way to go, but let's see how it goes. Let's do a few comments on Twitter and Facebook while you guys think of your man of the match. Bill Donald says surreal atmosphere. He was in Rimini tonight, or not in Rimini, sorry, in San Marino. Never easy in that environment. Good performances from Bradley, Charles, brackets, Shea and Dion. Fought Lewis as well. No bad performances against a poor team. Jake Logan says two wingbacks were fantastic. Completely agree with that. Brian Hutchinson says nice win. Some really good performances, especially from the starting 11. Good way to start the new year. It looked like we had a plan, which we've touched on, obviously. Some real exciting young players coming through. Delighted for Dion Charles as well. Nathan Dorian says Charles looks sharp. Lead the line off him and his finishing. Chris Rutherford, fantastic after that display the last few years. Uh, looking forward to going to a game again on Sunday. Uh, fire in belly and confidence. P.S. Shay Charles, that's the tweet. Let's just have a look over to the Facebook. Yeah, so like just a lot of love for both both Charles's tonight. Um, let's have a look. Wish there was a more smooth way of the transition from Twitter to Facebook. Simon Adair says Sunday. Against Finland will show exactly what level we are currently at. Hard to tell against San Marino. Kind of get the feeling other teams will be putting four or five past them. We only managed two, but three points in the bag, so I'm not complaining. Yeah, I suppose it doesn't really it doesn't really matter as long as you sort of get a professional job done. We're never really going to score four or five, six goals. It's not how we work, and especially saying I don't think goal difference is a factor in this group. Then, yeah. It's just the most important thing not to become a, a famous statistic for that one. Glenn Fryer says, Shane Bradley looked decent. Saville was awful, particularly in the first half, that short corner we tried. Yeah, Dave's face is a picture right now. Um, I disagree with that one as well, Glenn. Um, not that it matters, but is that our most our most non-Northern Irish-born starting eleven either? Yeah, eight players out of the squad. Uh, eight non-Northern Irish-born players playing today. I, I do wonder if that actually is. The fewest, but as I say, I don't really care. There's, like, there's so many players there that, like Daniel Ballard, I just don't think of him as English at all. I think of him as purely a Northern Ireland player, purely Northern Irish. And as I say, when you look back at the likes of Jamie Ward and various other players, Ian Dye, so many players born outside of this country, um, who we've just taken in as our own. And yeah, for me, that's 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 not something that bothers me too much. Colin Kernan, good start to the campaign after the Barra Cloud, which is an interesting one days it was good to see a more positive style of football we could have maybe scored one or two more but overall not a bad start with bigger games ahead let's see jordan moreland solid nothing flashy but still got work to do impressive for dion and connor tonight and we'll finish with maddie ballantyne he says positives dion looked sharp with two goals shea charles looks really composed and mature in his performance and bradley caused them all sorts of problems great to see a fullback that can beat a man and can cross a ball uh pete Who's your man of the match tonight? Uh, probably Connor Bradley. Connor Bradley? Okay, Dave? A guy scores two goals to win the game 2-0. I find it hard to look past that. I know he's not a player that certainly a centre-forward that is particularly involved in the game, but that's almost all the more impressive, where he just comes from nowhere and Oops. just sticks it in the net twice. I'm a big fan of people that just stick it in the net. Yeah, but, you, love yeah. people, you love Inzaghi, don't you? You mention Inzaghi oh, a lot. <laughs> Inzaghi's great. Absolutely terrible with football, but could just kick it in the net really well. That's, 
and that's what we need, right? What, what, what did you see? You you told me a story once. Like, is, is the players laughed him in training because of how bad he was? Yeah, apparently when they were doing like, you felt like, you know, Paolo Maldini and you know, um, Pirlo and uh, Rui Costa, all these guys just popping the ball like bum 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 bum, and these completely take the piss out of him because he was so bad at just generally like passing the ball five yards but yeah kick it over the top to him and he just sticks it in the net and it's, it is a skill it's a gift that you can't and Pete was right earlier when he said it you can't teach it so Bradley was great thought Savile was good um Shay Charles obviously but yeah I, I find it difficult to look past past Dion Charles yeah, I agree with that. Dion Charles is my man of the match as well. The four I put forward were Dion Charles, Paddy McNair, Connor Bradley, and Shea Charles. Savile probably a bit unlucky to miss out on that, but Charles won it with 58%. Shea Charles with 23%, Connor Bradley with 18%, and poor Paddy McNair with only 1%. I think we've all just got a little bit used to what he offers us at this point and taking it for granted. But uh, we are going to wrap up now. We're going to go straight on to the Finland preview, which will be go on, which will go out as a completely separate podcast. It'll come out, I think, on the Saturday morning if you're waiting for that. So do stay tuned. Hope you enjoyed it tonight. And um, share it, like it, share with your friends, like us on Facebook, Twitter, and everything like that. And yeah, happy days. Win and start. Not quite top of the group, given Denmark have scored more goals, but we don't need to be there. Two who qualify, and a result, certainly a win on Sunday night, will have us well on our way. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Pete. Up the Gawa.